Happy Monday, FT Live. Let's run it. Ron Pruszyski, Kratz with you today. Uh, AJ, good weekend. Long weekend. Dude, you actually were all over the place. Obviously, I, I'm talking about we yeah. got to hang out and hit a little festy, but you also. <laughs> Is that what we call it? Yeah. Festy. Festy besties now. <laughs> oh, Festy Besties? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Man, I should have kept my all my wristbands on. I had like seven wristbands yes. on. And nine that's glow how cool sticks. He was. Oh man. Glow sticks everywhere. We went to EDC yeah. Orlando. You know what? I was actually uh surprised. There wasn't as many glow sticks as I thought there would be. No. There was no glow stick scratch. Very disappointed. Ugh. So disappointing. I wanted to wear my glow, my glow glasses. Oh, I've never seen I tell you what. I, I, Scott christened me, took my virginity from the, your EDM, EDM. Yes. Virginity. And he loved it. Okay. And it was pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of awesome. Cool. Yeah. It, it was not what I expected. It was way bigger than I thought it was going to be like way larger. I mean, it took up the football stadium in Orlando, like every parking lot. I mean, around it was just neon light or glowing I don't know, stages stages everywhere Massive. tens of thousands oh of gosh. people there at had each to be, stage there had to be 75 75,000 people there last night it was yeah. unbelievable scott is I mean, so proud scott is like he has this he has this face on he's like i told you so i told you so <laughs> aj obviously aj got really bougie hooked up too you know we're yeah open bar and yeah. your own viewing area the whole deal i mean we we you know, we mingled toured around. Yes, we mingled, but but we also you know experienced the high life a little bit. Do you guys have any lobster? I usually eat lobster <laughs> when I listen to EDM. This is, this is yeah, we, like. we, we we did not dabble in the buffet. But. No, we missed the buffet, which was probably a mistake. <laughs> well, debatable. But <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, a lot of news from the weekend, so let's get to it. Oh, also, we'll do this later. But AJ spoke. But we'll give some people some news. But AJ was also just casually in St. Louis, too. We'll get to that later. So let's get to some news here first as we charge the damn mound and welcome Joe Espada to the team that you've been with for a long time. He is officially the manager of the Houston Astros. Another seat is now filled. And for me, my biggest question, Kratz, there you go from Chandler Rome, 20th full-time manager in Astros history after six years fighting time as the team's bench coach. He's 48 years old. What took so long? This was a pretty long process. I mean, it's been weeks since the season ended, and I, I'm never going to fault you for doing your homework and due diligence being thorough, but it seemed like this was the fit for them, and he'd been waiting for a minute. You know him. Yeah, I mean, barely. It was, it was there for a month, and then the playoffs, you know, we lost in game seven of the ALCS, and then Six minutes later, he shipped shipped out of third base and went to went to be the bench coach of the Astros. My question isn't like what took so long. My question is, what does that interview look like? What does that interview look like for a guy that's been there forever? It's kind of like, hey Joe, we'd like you to come in and like interview for this job. Like we pretty much know your answers. He's been there for seven years, so eighteen, six years, six seasons, like. I, I, like, what could they really be asking him more than what they've already? And I thought there was rumors he actually had, he had, uh, after AJ left, after Hinch left, he had interviewed for the job before. So it was like, have you improved over the last five years? I, I'd want to know. I think he was there. I think, 
Well, he was always their top choice, I felt like. He was always seemed like the manager in waiting in Houston. Um, I don't know. It was weird because Dusty kind of commanded the room. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Joe. Oh, I don't know as well as you do, Kratzy, but very nice when you go into Houston, always talking, always saying hello. Players respect the heck out of them. Um, so it, it's a good hiring if you want to kind of keep the line of succession in the Astros organization there. There's rumors of like Brad Ausmus, Scott's pal, um, some other people that were uh, rumored to be in the mix. But this seemed like an easy hire for me if I'm an Astros employee, an Astros front office person. Like it just seemed like he was the perfect guy. Like there's other organizations where you say, oh, man, like let's look around. But it seemed like Joe was the right guy, and he'd been kind of been groomed for the last six years to take over this, and now they think he's ready. And I think he'll do a great job. I, I think he's he's a baseball guy. You know, he, he knows the clubhouse. He knows the culture in Houston. I think he's, he's the perfect fit. Yeah, it made sense on many levels, and it helps for continuity too, right? Yeah, you don't have to get used to someone yeah. new. The same system can kind of run itself. So bench coaches also – are the most likely people to be hired as managers, which we're seeing with Carlos Mendoza, who was technically well, officially announced. Bench coaches announced. really are kind of the manager. It's kind of funny, like, Kratz will tell you, they do everything. Bench coaches do way more than a manager does. They do way more work. Not even close. Now, the manager has to handle the press and the media and all that, but the manager, manager kind of just sits there. The bench coach runs spring training. He, he's like... Given matchups, yeah. you know, they discuss everything. He has to deal with, you know, BPs and, and setting up times. And, oh, there's, well, we need a simulated game. We need our pitcher that's hurt to throw a simulated game. The bench coach sets up. Manager doesn't do all that. You don't think a manager spends more time per day on his job than a bench coach does? No? Mm-mm. Okay. We cool. just always I mean, joke. We just, Ozzy's going to kill me when I say this, but I don't care. We <laughs> used to always say that Joey Cora was our manager in 2005. Ozzy was our press was our press liaison and Joey Cora was our manager because he was our bench coach. But no, Ozzy, Ozzy was great, but it was, it was like a running joke. We'd say, and now Joey's in Detroit. So yeah, still going. Okay. Um, and we'll get to more on Joe Espada with Brian McTaggart um, coming up who covers the team. He'll be with us in about 10 minutes. Uh, let's move to Craig council officially being introduced as the evil Chicago Cubs manager. How dare he leave? Um, does it look weird? Yeah. Here it is. If you're on the podcast crowd, we're looking at it right now. It does? Yeah, it looks weird. Imagine if Kratz, like, what, two weeks ago, I just showed you this video. What would you do? Oh, my goodness. I would, I would say it was Halloween. Like, he was dressing up. Like, that would be a great Halloween gag. Like dress up as your like Jeter dresses up at a Red Sox press conference. Like just the whole shtick, like just trolling people. I would have never, would have never believed it. April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day, perfect. Kratz still hasn't stopped crying though, so I don't know what he's he's, he's having. A, he has a hard time with this one. This is a this is a big one for him, and the fact that uh, you know counts. And a lot of Brewers fans and organization. I mean, heck, you know. When the owner comes out and says, you know, he didn't, we didn't lose him. He lost us. Ooh, he also got eight million a year. Yeah, no, you lost. Yeah, you lost him, obviously. Yeah. So I, I don't understand how. Uh, yeah, it, it just looks weird. It's going to take some getting used to. It's it's when you know someone. I, I mean, Kratz, you know, when you first the first time, well, you did it more than I did early in your career. But when you first switch uniforms the first time, you look down and you're wearing like a different uniform. 
it's weird. So the first time Craig Council goes into Wrigley and he has or it'll even be in spring training, he puts on the uniform, he looks down, he's gonna be like, damn, this is kind of, this is gonna take me a minute. It even takes you a minute as a as a player or a manager or whatever, when you look down, it's not the same uniform you've been used to. And he did such a great job in Milwaukee. And I don't know. Hopefully it works out for him. But listen, he got the bag, so good for you, counts. I think it looks I think it looks comfortable. It looks he looks it, for some reason it doesn't look out of place. He looks like he wears the uniform nicely. Wish they would have shown his calves in the press conference, but they didn't. <laughs> like, we all lost out on that. I remember when I was in 2014, I was traded to the Blue Jays. And I came up with the Blue Jays, spent two years with the Pirates organization, and then I went three years with the Phillies. And our first game in spring training, because we're like, you know, 15 feet apart, spring training complexes, we were playing the Phillies. I played in the game. I had my Blue Jays uniform on, obviously. Went and sat in the fifth, sixth inning. Sat at my locker. And I was kind of like just taking my cleats off, not really watching, paying attention. And I look up at the TV and I looked up and I go, oh, yeah. We scored. Phil- Wait a minute. Philly scored. Uh, I'm on the Blue J- Wait a minute. Like, it was all my old teammates up with the Phillies, but it was the very first game we had played, and it was it was the craziest – it was the craziest thing, like, to try to, like – that day, I'll never forget being in the locker room thinking, like, wait a minute, like, that is a weird transition. Yeah. I can't relate. I guess <laughs> when I worked here versus the last place I was at forever. That's about it. Oh, we have it too. Let's run a little Craig Council chatting with his Chicago friends. Um, from a baseball standpoint, you know, I think I saw quickly that like the organization is, is just in great health. And like that, Jed presented a very compelling vision of that. Um, it is time to be a Cub, right? There is, there is momentum happening here. Um, and it feels close. And, and that means there's a really exciting future ahead of us. Um, and now it's my job to, to be part of taking us to, taking us to the next level. What does that mean? Because you look all, at the Cubs system, I don't see, I don't see that. So are they, are they leaning on, like, Nico Horner, like, Ian Dansby. Happ? Dansby Swanson, Seiya Suzuki, and free agent signings? Everybody we bring on is like, eh, Ricketts, they're not spending. Mm-hmm. They have momentum, Kratz. They almost made the playoffs, and he comes from a team that won the division. Here's, so does here's, matter. here's the one. one here's I'm the trying one. not to make sense on here's, purpose. Here's it doesn't the problem matter. That with what, uh, just, I, just go to the press conference and go like this yes. and say, listen, everyone, you need to start paying us what we're fucking worth. He did and that. Let's with go the freaking win ready. too. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go show them that this is worth it. And then you drop the damn mic and you leave. By the way, there's only one big problem I have with what he said what? when he said it's a great time to be a cub. It's never a great time to be a cub. Ah, let's so just nice make cup. sure that we get that out there, Craig. AJ's 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 shedding more tears than I'm shedding about this. How much money would it take for you to? Oh. I don't know. Be a Cubs fan or something like that. Be a Cubs fan? Yeah. I don't think there's enough money. <laughs> If you wanted to be a manager, I think there is. What would it take for you to be a Cub, the Cubs manager? I mean, I take what Craig Council got. Yeah. See, see, White Sox fans, 
AJ does have a price. Mm-hmm. You just got everybody has a price. Didn't you ever watch Twitter. the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase? Everybody has a price, craps. <laughs> hey, lastly, um, before we get to Brian McTaggart on Joe Espada, it sounds like obviously it doesn't just sound like it's real because Ken was talking about it. Rosenthal and um, Brendan Cuddy were reporting that the Yankees asked David Ross about, about the bench coach job, but he prefers a manager gig. So, and that would mean Kratz, even if he doesn't get one of these open gigs, maybe he'll take his time, wait for someone to get fired or sideswipe someone or I don't know, something like that. But he doesn't want to go to bench coach. I think that's fair. He doesn't need the job. He's going to sit at home and do the exact same thing. He'll probably call his buddies up and get a little get a little TV time, a little look at me, show time. <laughs> but he's not going to be going to any uh, – he's not going to be going to any 2016 reunions for a little while, that's for sure. I, I mean, yeah, of course, David Ross, I'm sure. Dude, if I'm David Ross, I'm a little bit bitter about the way this went down. A little? I mean, I'm a little bit pissed off about the way this went down. I mean – Again, we talked about it last week. Uh, he kind of got just fired out of nowhere, and all they did was put out a little, like, two two little sentence. We've relieved <laughs> David Ross of his managerial duties. We wish him the best. Thanks. Now on to Craig Council. Like, dang, dude. I mean, this guy was like a cult hero in Chicago for what he did in 2016. And he didn't do anything wrong. Well, he just it, didn't win. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He just wore his bullpen out to no end this year. But, I mean, listen, he, he, he played the hand he was dealt. He did the best he could. But, I mean, it was just – I just felt it was the wrong way to go about it with someone like – but then again, they also always say, you know, don't meet your heroes. Well, also don't take the job you think is your dream job because eventually everyone gets fired. Right? His, so his, pers- his persona, like you look at the guys who have been hired, like Craig Council got hired. He was not like a self-promoter. Ron Washington was not a self-promoter. He was just a effervescent personality. Carlos Mendoza, not a self-promoter, like bench coach, behind-the-scenes type of guy. David Ross has always kind of been a self-promoter kind of out, out there in front of the, the TV, out there in front of the camera. So I would love to know his real opinion on how it felt with the Cubs, how it felt because he's always kind of been like the – like happy-go-lucky, hey, what's up? Oh, man, that's so neat. <laughs> Kissing babies. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm, I love the Cubs. You know, all this stuff. Now it's a, now it's a transition for him, and I, I don't blame him at all for not taking a bench coach job because he's not – he doesn't need to pine for, for a job. There will be more openings. If he's, not, if he's not in the running for the Padres job and, Craig, and, uh, and Scotty B. Brewers. And Scotty B doesn't Do hire right him thing, Brewers Milwaukee. manager. <laughs> then he can wait. He can wait it out for next year. But by the way, he, you know, Quay Kratz was talking, you know, he's talking. That sounded like I thought he was talking about himself a little bit. You know, he wrote a book. You know, he's a backup catcher. You know, he's ultra positive. I'm Accessible. Like, I'm like, damn, Kratz talking about himself. Here. Everything oh, wait, no, he's talking about David Ross. Stars. That's right. Damn. Be, I got confused for a second. I'm real. I'm real. This is me. I'm real. I'm real. <laughs> Also, I like that. I mean, he's been accessible. He's been media friendly, all that. Like, that's a good thing. There's a lot of boring people in our business that need to have a little more personality and accessibility. I think he had both of those. He got a little he more. He got things. a little more crabby at the end there. Every manager does. Yeah, they, they, he got he got a little more. He 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 was bubbly and all that. And then over the years, you know, was he the I mean, Was there four years? 
2020, 2019, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, you know, it wears on you. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they weren't winning. You know, he was brought in to, to try to kind of rebuild and win, but he changed a little bit. He wasn't as he wasn't as I'm just gonna call it, he wasn't as kratzy as he was before. A little <laughs> less more crabby. More crabby than kratzy. I like crabby that. Crabby than kratzy. I like that. I like that. MLB.com's Brian McTaggart joining us right now, and you can follow him at Brian McTaggart. That's his name. And he just witnessed Joe Espada officially get on board as the manager of the Houston Astros. How was that, Brian? Pretty Pretty low key since everyone knows him already. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, it was really low key. I mean, uh, everyone in the room knew him, and uh, you know, I think from the moment Dusty retired, that Espada, I think, was the front runner. Everybody knew that um, he's sort of been in line to get this job. I, I think for a few years now. I mean, this is a guy that's worked under three World Series winning managers and Girardi Hench, and now Dusty Baker. I know that Joe's interviewed for a lot of jobs the last few years. Didn't get them for whatever reason, but the fact that he waited it out and gets the Astros job, I think, was um, just really gratifying for him. And, you know, he spoke a lot about just this being his dream job. He spoke a lot about his family. And uh, I think it'll be a pretty seamless transition for a team that thinks it can compete for a World Series championship once again next year. Does it really matter? Does it really matter who they hire? Because this team, you know... you can say, well, you know, they didn't make the World Series. Like, okay, like there's, there's obviously every team wants to upgrade, but this team is self. I mean, they're self-sustaining. So, did it really matter who they hired, and maybe that's why Joe got the job? Yeah, I think it matters. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you could probably roll me out there, and they would win. You know, 85 games probably, or uh, you know, if I didn't mess it up too much, but. You know, there was also a little bit of a disconnect with Dusty and the front office, I think, that, you know, led to, you know, some things maybe not going on in the field as well as the Astros would have hoped. And I think uh, I think the uh, new GM, Dana Brown and Joe, are very much aligned. Uh, Dana Brown wanted somebody who's a communicator. He used the word collaborative a lot. I don't think that was always the case with Dusty Baker. Dusty it has been had done this for a long time, did things his way, and hey, he earned that right. I mean, he's won over two thousand games now as a World Series. He did things his way, but that always not always was the way that the front office wanted to operate. So, you know, I think things are going to be a little more collaborative now. But you know, the Astros returned eight of their nine starting position players. They returned their entire starting rotation. They they returned their closer and their setup man. They're not going anywhere. But um, if they're healthy, it's a team that, that should be a 100-win team, a team that, you know, should be right there with the Rangers once again in, in what should be a, a very wild AL West race next year. Brian, are you at Minute Maid Park, or you have your own office at Minute Maid? I am in the uh, radio announcer's booth at Minute Maid. So, oh. uh, yeah, this is where the uh, – I'm trying to uh, – right, Joe Espada's on the field right now taking pictures, so I'm kind of spying on him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm in the uh, – it's a dark, dreary day here in Houston, so. Oh, I can tell because I've obviously do, I've done a ton of games in Houston. I can tell by the dreary lighting that you you're tell. definitely at Minute Maid. The way yeah. it's yeah, definitely. It's not easy what, to what? find a place with uh, good lighting here at Minute Maid. So no, especially in the press boxes, they 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 forgot about the lights. It's a great view, but it's not great lighting. Uh, was there anybody else in the running? We heard Brad Ausmus. Was there anyone else? I mean, it took. We kind of talked about this in the in the open here that. This took a long time for a guy that was already there for six years and has already kind of seemed like the heir apparent to Dusty for a while. Was there anyone else there? And why did this take so long? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think the fact that a lot of names were thrown out there. You mentioned Osmus and, uh, you know, everyone threw out a bunch of names. 
the fact that the only people we know for sure that interviewed for this job or the only person was Joe Espada just leads me to believe that he was their guy all along. Um, uh, it, it took about two weeks. So uh, one thing I know that, that Dana Brown, um, the, the, the owner of the team, Jim Crane, wanted Dana Brown, the GM, to, to do a search, to get bring some guys in and interview, even if he thought that Joe was the guy. He wanted Joe to get uh, maybe some different perspectives from some other guys, get some experience interviewing guys. But um, it was really strange that the lack of names that came out, you did not hear Blank interviewed for the Astros. It was only Joe Espada. So um, I think he was the guy all along. And whether they had to dot some I's, cross some T's, I don't know why it took so long. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been you know about two weeks since Dusty announced his retirement and uh, you know, they, they finally got around to announcing it. But um, you know, I thought all along from the, from the get go, as just most people did that Joe was going to be the front runner for this job um, just because he had been here so long. He's an experienced manager. He wants this job very badly, but I'm sure they had no shortage of candidates blowing up Dana Brown's phone, considering, you know, the Astros are a, a turnkey team. They're going to be in the hunt next year. And you have an owner that's committed to winning that that's not afraid to spend a lot of money and, it's a situation that any manager could come into, probably, like you said, as long as he doesn't mess it up and probably win a lot of games and get deep into October. As Alex Bregman made very clear at the end of the season, this team doesn't lose. But if this team loses and they kind of go on away from maybe, like you said, they possibly could have a little more front office ownership continuity, is this on Joe Espada or is this on the front office and – you know, it shows what Dusty Baker really did for this team. Well, I guess I guess it matters how they lose. I mean, if they have an offseason where they don't address some of their needs um, and that winds up being a wart in the season, I mean, they need some relief help. You know, they do. I did say they do have their, their closer back and Ryan Presley and their setup guy and Brian Abreu, but they are losing uh, a couple of key members to their bullpen if they don't resign them. So, if you know, if that's not addressed and their bullpen becomes an issue next year, then maybe that's on the front office. But uh, if they get into the regular season and everything's been addressed, they fortify their bullpen, they have a backup catcher, maybe they got some starting pitching depth, and the team underperforms if they're healthy, they underperform for whatever reason, or they start kicking the ball around, um, or they don't play hard, and, you know, maybe that's on Joe. But, um, you know, I, I think this is very much going to be the, the collaborative effort that we heard that Dana Brown wanted, that he's promised, that Joe Espada has promised. I think, you know, very much is going to be that. I mean, if you go back to the ALCS last year, game five, Astros are trailing eighth inning. Dusty Baker gets kicked out. You know, they rally in the ninth inning, um, and the Astros make two moves that they probably wouldn't have made if Dusty was still in the dugout. And Joe Espada talked about this today. Pinch hit for Jeremy Pena, which is something Dusty never did. They ended up getting a base hit from Yiner Diaz. And then John Singleton comes off the bench for a walk, and then Altuve hits the three-run homer. Um, I mean, you know, it was only half an inning, but Espada got the keys to the car right there and made a couple of moves that, you know, worked out brilliantly, brilliantly, at least in that game before they lost the two games at home. So, um, you know, I, you know I, I, I don't think anyone's going to be to blame if the Astros at least go to the CS or World Series. The expectations here are so high. But if they bow, bow out in the first round or unbe- unbelievably don't make the playoffs, then we're going to have to point the finger at somebody. I'm not sure who that would be. Hey, Brian, we haven't spoken to you since the Rangers won. So are they bitter in Houston? Or are they like, Eh, we've won a lot. We're good. I think there's a little of both. I mean, I think the fans will tell you, oh, well, we've got two, you've got one. But deep down inside them, man, they know they were close. I mean, they they were one home win away from going to the World Series. And I, I think I would have liked their chances very much against the D-backs in that series. So, you know, they can, you know, say what they will about winning a couple of World Series. But, you know, let's be honest. They come home with a chance to close out 
the ALCS with two games at home and they can't do it. It's just unbelievable. This has happened now twice to the Astros. Um, and it's probably cost them two World Series victories. I mean, in 2019, they lose four games at home in the World Series. They win one of those. They win another ring. And this year, I mean, I think if they can just close out the Rangers at home, win one home game out of four, I think they go to the World Series and they probably beat the D-backs. So, um, you know, the expectations are so high here. that, And the fact it was the Rangers, the teams, I mean, these two teams have built a pretty good rivalry here. In fact, you know, I looked it up the other day. This, the Rangers and Astros winning back-to-back World Series titles. No teams in the same division have done that in 40 years. So this is going to be a really fun race next year with, with two teams that, you know, both of them could win the World Series again and, and they're their last two World Series winners. It's going to be a fun rivalry, but I think it really stuck in the craw of Astros fans, I think, to watch the Rangers celebrate knowing that, man, they could have knocked them out with just one more win at home. Brian, is Joe Espada, you said he's out on the field right now, is he out there pa- painting the batter's eye so that the Astros hitters can't complain about how they can't hit at home anymore or what? No, the batter's eye looks untouched, although I would not surprise me if that changes at some point this year just because of all the, <laughs> oh the, 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 whining, the whining we heard about. I mean, they already they already moved it out a little bit, but it really didn't seem to you know do a lot of change. I mean, the Rangers came in here in game six and seven and just crushed the ball, so – I think the batter's eye thing, you know, I'm not not buying into that too much. Um, you know, both teams had to use it. And, um, you know, they, last year the Astros had a historically great offense in the same ballpark. So, uh, But it still wouldn't surprise me if they make some changes to the batter's eye because there, there is a lot going on out there. It's pretty busy. Brian, does this mean with Dusty gone and Joe Espada in now, the end of the Martin Maldonado era in Houston? Because Dusty, listen, Houston Astro fans were clamoring for Diaz. People inside the organization were clamoring for Diaz. There was one guy, though, that kept Martin Maldonado in the lineup, and it was Dusty Baker. So Dusty's now retired and gone. Martin is a free agent. There's no way they bring him back, right? Well, I mean, he could come back, but if he does, it would be under the clear understanding that it's a backup. And I think Martin knows that. I mean, Dana Brown's already said Yonder Diaz is going to be the starting catcher next year, and he has to be. I mean, the guy – just crushes the ball. Uh, I mean, he held his own behind the plate as well, and I think he can only improve. But it goes back to maybe what I was talking about er- earlier about, you know, the collaboration between the front office and the field. Because like you said, they're, you know, Dusty was committed to Martin Maldonado behind the plate. I think the front office wanted Yanner Diaz behind the plate more. And, uh, you know, Dusty got the last call and got to do things his way. And, you know, I don't think we're going to see that now under a spot. But there's no doubt that, you know, Yonder Diaz is going to be the guy behind the plate. I mean, I think, if, you know, he's a guy that, you know, has 40 home run potential. Um, you know, he's, I think he, he would have been in the rookie of the year race this year if he would have got enough at bats. But, um, you know, he just – he just the pitchers preferred throwing to Maldonado, and Dusty was really loyal to those veteran players. But uh, if Maldonado comes back, it will certainly be uh, – maybe he's the guy who catches Verlander once a week or once every five days, and that's probably it. Are there other positions that could be similar to Maldonado? I feel like I feel like the other eight guys are like when you go around, it's like, oh, well, we'll just plug and play that person. So is it more of like, is there positions in the sense that like somebody would step in and more of like, say, a platoon role like a lot of front offices want to go to? Yeah, I think the only thing we might see differently is, is Chaz McCormick. Maybe, you know, they take the reins off him and let him play a lot more. Uh, Dusty seemed hesitant to play McCormick at times, despite, you know, what turned out to be a breakout year in center field. Um, you know, ran out some other guys out there, especially early in the season. McCormick got hurt. Um, it took a while for Dusty to, you know, put it, play him every day once he came back. But I, I think McCormick has earned the right to be the everyday starting center fielder. 
Um, and I think we're going to see that. I think we'll see that. And that, that's something that maybe that, that, you know, Dusty wasn't on board with as much as he should have been was playing Chaz McCormick. But you look around the rest of the, the team and, you know, all the positions are set, you know, with Tucker, the infield that they have, you know, they signed a Brayu at first. He's not going anywhere. Bregman, Altuve, Pena, and of course, Alvarez and, and left fielder DH. So, um, you know, Joe's coming in with, uh, with a team that's loaded. Yeah. They have some decisions to make, but, um, there's also things that are going to go on during the year that the front office would have liked that didn't go on this year that, that they're, you know, we'll see that happen with Joe as far as playing time behind the plate and in center field, specifically with McCormick. Was it because Chaz was too fat, according to Dusty? Is that why? Apparently, because he because he brings him banana pudding uh, before Bana- before every game. <laughs> but <laughs> banana pudding, banana pudding is definitely definitely saves the day for everybody. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the Astros ever since they let Springer walk, which. You know, you can't blame them. They went, you know, went on to win a World Series. They, they've sort of had a hard time finding some stability in center field. They traded away Miles Straw. They traded away Jose Siri. Uh, they, had, they had Jake Myers a couple of years ago. He got hurt in the ALDS against the White Sox. And McCormick's just been a guy who sort of bubbled up to the top and, um, and he really took advantage of that this year, but still probably did not play as much as he should have, even though he, he turned out to be a, a very capable player you know, offensively and defensively as well. You know, he did a really solid job. We saw him make that big catch in the World Series last year in Philadelphia in game five. So um, I think center field and, and catcher are two positions where, um, you know, the Astros are going to do things differently now than they did under Dusty Baker. Could you see the Astros kind of go away from what they normally do and maybe trade one of the big league pieces for another big league piece like <clears throat> Devin Williams as a bullpen piece and give up? maybe one or two of their big league pieces? I think I could see that, but I think it's got to be a, a fringe guy. I, I just don't think they have the depth if, if they want to trade away one of their starters. You know, I'm talking maybe trade Jake Myers, somebody somebody along that line. I mean, they just don't have the talent right now at the upper minor leagues. I mean, they have some guys who could come in and play next year, but they just don't have, you know, for years they had wave after wave of talent coming up, Correa, Springer, Bregman. And they just plug and plug guys in and let guys walk in free agency and just replace them, you know, replace Correa with Jeremy Pena. Um, they just don't have that anymore. They've traded so many guys in the last few years, prospects, including a couple of big ones to get Verlander. I think it'll be very hard to trade an impact position player to get maybe the reliever that they're after. So I think free agency is definitely the way they're going to go. I mean, they have some fringe guys on the 20, 26 man roster they can tra- trade. But, you know, even though Bregman's going to be a free agent after next year and Altuve, certainly he's not going anywhere. Cal Tucker's got a couple of years left. So um, all, all these guys are, are going to be back for a couple more years, at least this year anyway. And uh, I think free agency is going to be how they're going to have to fill these spots that they need. So, Brian, what's your dream offseason for them? I mean, you can be as realistic or unrealistic as you want. I mean, you talked about how they want to address the relief pitching. But what do you think, I guess, they should aim to be doing, knowing that they're not you know, going to be playing for Otani? Yeah, I think they need to sign a couple of relievers. I think they need a, a left-handed reliever. I mean, they've, they've struggled to get a lefty reliever for I don't know how long. I mean, last year in the playoffs, they didn't have a lefty reliever in the bullpen. Did they go after Roldis Chapman, a guy who's like a villain number one here at Minute Maid Park with all the battles he's had with the Yankees and now the Rangers? Um, I would I would sign a back-end starting pitcher. I mean, they go six, seven deep in starting pitching, but they got McCullers coming off an injury, Luis Garcia coming off an injury. You know, I think we saw last year they were probably a starting pitcher short from where they would like to have been 
They're going to sign a backup catcher. Um, I still would like to see them probably sign maybe uh, another position player, a left-handed bat to come off the bench and help out. I mean, you know, you know, that's a lot of things at that point. You got a payroll that's already, you know, up close to 200 million, but they're not far away. I mean, they just need a couple of tweaks and um, they won 90 games last year and had tons of injuries. Like I said earlier, this is a, this could be a hundred win club next year with just a, a couple of moves here and there. And, and now they have a new manager that they hope, you know, can help them maybe squeeze out maybe five, six wins that they didn't have last year. It's a strong division at the top too, Brian. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ loves yeah. Seattle. You got Houston, Texas. It's a good Seattle's top. going to be – listen, Seattle can't be as bad as they were last year. 54%. They, 54%. Oh, that's true. They win 54% their money. Yeah. No, they have to be better. This is their yes. winning window, and they're wasting it. Yeah. You know? Poto oh, so great. officially on the hot seat now after his comments of 54%. You he think so? He's got to be now. The fan, I mean, he pissed off more fans than anyone I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he, pissed off, he pissed off every single Mariner fan there was. I don't think there was one fan that was like – yeah, Jerry, we're behind you. Let's win 54% of the games. We love mediocrity. Yeah. That would be like the Astros fans, going, Dusty or uh, Dana coming out and going, you know what, guys? We're not going to try this year. We're just going to try and finish 500 and see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. no. Like, no. You're, you, you, you know, this is your window. This is your, I mean, the Astros have had a bigger window than most teams ever do. In like a decade. Yeah. So. so. I thought what was great about the division was going into the final day of the regular season, or the final weekend of the regular season, all three of those teams had a shot to either win the division or get the wild card or not make the playoffs. And, and two of them did, you know, the Astros won the division, the Rangers got the wild card, Seattle was eliminated, but I mean, all three of them were right there entering the final weekend of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I think we'll see more of that next year. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a very, very tough division to win a very competitive division division with all three of those teams. All right. Now I got to thank you because you were just watching Joe Espada. And you were, I don't think you were videoing him, but you were watching him. You were spying on him. Kind of like you were spying on me opening day. Everybody needs to know <laughs> that you were the one that videoed me embarrassingly <laughs> tripping and falling. But you were also the first one to ask the question. And you wouldn't remember. I mean, it was a nothing, no nothing thing. But you asked me the question. You had the most concerned look on your face. So I appreciate you caring, and yet you were kind of looking for me to like get a little embarrassed. And fortunately, I was able to cash in on the on the tripping and falling bonus on opening day. So thank you for videoing that. Yeah, I was I was worried about you. There were a lot of a lot of people in the stands that day. So I, I think somebody had somebody had told me before I got down there to ask you that it might have been a ruse. So I, I didn't know like how to go about, and I didn't know you that well. So nope. I was kind of being delicate how to ask that question. But uh, yeah, I, that, that was a lot of fun. It was it was something that I don't remember who she was. And obviously I'd been there for probably seven days at that point because we started on the road and then came home. But somebody in the back of the scrum, she was a younger reporter and she kind of had her back like kind of turned. And after I answered, she looked and she goes, did you do that on purpose? And I was like, I'm not going to tell. And then I got fired. And so nobody really knew until it all, all came back out in 2018. What was, I don't even remember. What was the, the backstory now? Did you get, get some money out of that? Or is that a, a better? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, Scott Feldman and Luke Gregerson each gave me a grand to take a dive. So career minor leaguer. I'll hundred percent take it. I would have done it for 500 bucks, not two grand. <laughs> Oh, perfect timing. I think perfect. Brian got a call, but <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, 
you'll hear us at some point afterward. Thank you for the time because that was that was the end of the road right there. Um, and congrats to Joe Spada on getting the Astros manager gig. Brian McTaggart, you can follow him. Just type in his name on Twitter. Um, writes for MLB. Does a great job covering the ball club. Um, real take stuff from him all day long. Shohei Otani update time. Do you feel like we're talking about him enough? I feel like we talk about him every day. And nothing's happening. Well, because he's mysterious. Mm, Ray Mysterio. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with Jim Bowden, our friend who's been on here, and he's at The Athletic and MLB Network Radio and CBS, and he was on his front office show on Sunday on SiriusXM and said this about Shohei. I don't think there's any doubt the Giants are going to offer Shohei Otani a half a billion dollars, and I won't be surprised if they outbid the Dodgers. I won't be surprised if they outbid the industry. Mm-hmm. My question is, will he sign there? My intel has told me clearly, and I think Shohei has said it publicly through his translator. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he has. But it's been very clear throughout the process that winning is going to top everything. It's not about the most money. It's about the best chances of the most times on the World Series stage. And I believe that the Texas Rangers have the best shot to land them with the Dodgers and the Mariners. I do think winning matters. And I don't see the Giants' path to winning. And as well as I thought the Dodgers would be on that list, all of a sudden I have a lot of questions about their pitching long term. So that's kind of my early take on Otani. But to answer your question, will I be surprised if San Francisco puts the biggest offer in front of Otani? Not at all. Will I be surprised if San Francisco's the team that drives the financial chain for him? Not at all. I think they'll be the lead train. What do you think? Well, I think they've tried and tried and tried to get a star and they haven't been able to do it. Uh, Try Correa, again. Judge, they keep throwing money at people and they, for one reason or another, no one wants to go there. Now, I don't know why. It's a great ballpark, but there's other factors. It's freezing for fucking cold all year. There's yeah. a lot of factors. It's cold. The taxes are very high. Taxes are Francisco. crazy. The team is good, okay. not great. Mid. 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 Yeah. But my, I read today on X, Twitter. I don't know. Twitter. Twitter, X, whatever the hell they call it. They have to pay us to call it X. But not they, uh, I read today where he's talking about he might want to go to the Braves. I'm like, the Braves? Where the hell is it? I mean, it could be the DB, hell of a DH for the Braves. You missed a good show on Friday. We had your buddy Dave O'Brien on, and it was the quickest answer he I've ever no. heard he to a question. No. No. Yeah. Well, what if he said, what if, okay, now hear me out, and you're going to laugh and say, I'm an idiot. What if he just said, for one year, I want to go to Atlanta? I'll take, I'll take 10 million. He goes what? to the Braves. I'm just saying for one year. He makes, dude, he makes so much money off the field, the money on the field to him doesn't matter. The, the, it doesn't. The but if union, he said for one year. The union would, would disown Listen, him. I get that about the union, but at the end of the day, it's your career. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I understand. So, but also so, the Braves are rich as hell. They don't have to pay okay, him 10 Okay, let's say mil. he goes to the Braves. And says, if he's signing me, a one-year contract. Year, pay me 50 million to be your DH for a year. Yeah. Braves would say no. He goes, I want to come to Atlanta. I want to be in Atlanta. I want to go to the playoffs. I want to win the World Series. One year, 50 mil. I think the Braves say yes. I think so too. Yeah. Well, what's to say he stops that so we can come back? In but a why year Atlanta? Because they probably have the best chance to go to the playoffs right now. A lot of people have been mentioning Texas Kratz as a possibility. No. Yeah. No. 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 I. I. I'm just still shaking my head at AJ's ten million a year. Like I think I think the Braves <laughs> to sign him for one year, sixty-five million dollars. Would the Braves no. do? Because fifty million. You. You just heard Bowden say. He's going to go to rat-infested 
poop land in San Francisco <laughs> for half a billion. Wow. Like, there's other things that go into not signing in San Francisco. But does he want to go there and get pinch hit for if they bring a lefty in to face him late? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they're not going to pitch. They're not going to pinch hit for him. I mean, Gabe Kapler's gone. Bob Melvin's not going to do that anymore. So they're not going to do that. But I, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. If he wants to, if he really wants to win, like he says, take a one-year deal and go somewhere and try to win. Be, be the what is it, Kevin Durant of the MLB? Isn't that who did that? Popping <laughs> around, popping around, going trying to, to find championships. Yeah. Right? Be the. I, I mean, know. I think he'll settle just for, you know, the playoffs. <laughs> he hasn't been in the playoffs. But if, okay. But the thing is, it's so interesting. The Rangers just won the World Series, okay? And their mm-hmm. team is basically all back. You're adding DeGrom, hopefully, if he comes back. You, you have Scherzer for a full year. I mean, Montgomery's gone. You trade him for basically DeGrom unless they bring him back. But Evaldi's back. Their bullpen, they're from, you know, Leclerc and Boers and all those guys are all back. Their lineup's pretty much back. I don't think there's anybody that's gone for their lineup. So if Texas makes sense if they want to spend the money. Does he want to go to Texas? So nobody. The thing is, makes it so crazy is nobody has any fucking idea where this guy wants no. to go. Mm-hmm. Nobody has any. What if he just woke up and goes, I want to go to Colorado. I'm going to go to Oakland. Because the one thing I do think he has made clear is that he does want to win. Okay. Why? How's he Final made that clear? Who, who? Listen to his comments back at the WBC. He was like, what wow, is he supposed awesome. to say? Winning. Oh, neat. I'm getting 2.4 million more followers. Like, this is such a neat time. I really enjoy this neatness. I, I think it's real. I think he He's wants to Everybody win. wants to win. No, yeah. that's not true. Did Chris I, Bryant want to win when he signed with the Rockies, or did he want to get paid? He had already won. He went the bag. Correct. So did Craig not Council everybody want to win wants when he win. went from the Brewers to the Cubs? Money first in those topics. Oh, see how it changes. Everybody no, wants to win. It doesn't Chris change. Bryant, money first. But with Shohei, it's a matter of how much of a difference pricing is going to be. Like, mm-hmm. here's where things get interesting in my mind, okay? For example, Kratz, because we're going off what just kicked this conversation off. Let's say the Giants end up getting to $600 million. And the next highest offer is in the low fives. Mm. Then you start to find out how much someone's price is worth, right? You start to weigh things. Hey, this seems pretty good, and this is a massive deal. And yes, we, I think, all agree that there are some players that will turn down a larger offer to be somewhere that they believe in more, that they're comfortable with, right? Trey Turner did it last year. We brought that up the other day. Turned down San Diego's money to go to Philadelphia. He wanted to be on the East Coast. So anyway, I think... Getting, Getting the bag and winning are not synonymous, like, just because Craig Council wanted to get the bag from the Cubs, he still wants to win. I think that is a very grossly underrated thing in, in my opinion, with 99% of the athletes that I've met from other sports and in baseball, they want to win. And just because you go somewhere to get the bag doesn't mean you don't want to win. Just because you sign a 13-year contract and maybe you're going to be aged out by the end of it, it doesn't mean you don't want to win. It just means you're okay trying to win in a different place. And who's to say, like, everyone's like, oh, you know, Shohei could go to the Rangers. Well, they just won the World Series. So does that mean Shohei doesn't want to win a World Series this coming season? Because nobody repeats. So he should go to a team like the Phillies. He should go to a team like the Yankees because they haven't won for a while. He should go to a team 
you know, one of those teams that hasn't won because the Rangers, he doesn't want to win a World Series next year because no team has, no team has repeated since the Yankees. 2004 or whatever. No, three. Yankees. One. 2000. One. 2001. 2001. Yeah. No, no, no. 2000. 2000. 2000 sorry. 2000 was last year. Yep. So, so that's, so getting the bag and winning are not synonymous. You are signing a lifetime contract to play in a place and if you don't like San Francisco, whatever it is, the reason people aren't signing there, it takes a ton of money to get over that not liking a city. Okay. I'm going to say this, and people are going to laugh when I say this, but I don't really give a fuck. I like laughing. Again, what if Shohei doesn't want to pitch anymore? Mm. What if he doesn't want to pitch anymore? I've heard this. Now, you guys. I agree. Did we lose him? In the no. There is a chance that he doesn't want to pitch anymore. What happens if he doesn't? You can't sign an incentive. The only thing you could do is sign an incentive-based contract with pitching incentives, escalators for his contract. But, again, what happens if he goes? Because he's not pitching next year. We know that. He signs his 10-year, $500 million contract. And he goes, man, I just rehabbed through a Tommy John and then whatever the hell, the super-duper secret elbow surgery that he had that nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> and he says, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to hit. Maybe play right field. Is he still worth the $50, $60 million a year? Uh, yes. Probably not. Yes. You're paying for him to pitch. He's and worth hit. more. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the marketing, that's real. I, I believe in the marketing. If, if he's worth $25 million – off field to a team. What was that number? Like this year was 15 to 20 million he was worth. That's only yeah. going to escalate. You're essentially paying a guy 25 to 30 million dollars a year that hits 40 pumps and will drive in a hunch. I think it's worth it. And the Giants, I think the Giants need him the most. I yes, forget who I we had on. Was it who was it that we had on that was talking about the Dodgers really need him? Like that is a importance. I think the Giants need him the most. I think they need, and they've other people have expressed it. They need that star, and what, he what? is ultimately the star. Why can't we get him to speak, though? Why why can't he say something? He doesn't want to. But still, I mean, I feel like if you're going to be the face of baseball, like he is, you got to say something every once in a while. Like what? I don't know. It, it's kind of it's kind of disappointing to me that he doesn't really talk to the media. Mike Trout doesn't really talk to the media. Now, listen, there are great places to not talk because in Anaheim, there's not a ton of media because it's not LA. I mean, although they are the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim, it's not in LA, but we're going to call ourselves Los Angeles. Um, it, it's kind of disappointing because even like Mookie Betts put himself out there a lot this year, right? And mm -hmm. people are like, man, this is amazing. And guys like that, I mean, I get that maybe they don't want to, but at some point, man, if you sign, here's the thing. If you sign 10 years, 500 million, the team's got to go to you and say, Hey, listen, Shohei, I, I get it. But you're going to have to throw yourself out there a little bit. That's why I will say this. There's a comfort factor in Anaheim. Mm, and I stop. know, and I know. No. I, <laughs> listen, I'm just saying he's into like a little cocoon there and he can do what he wants. He basically runs the organization. He picks when he pitches. He picks when he talks. He picks when he hits. He does whatever he wants, right? And they've let him. They're not saying there's a big chance, 
there's a small chance if they offer him the right money, he'll go back to Anaheim. Bob Nightingale said they're focused on Tim Anderson. I'm trolling. But. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe real quick, maybe he just hasn't had the conduit to be able to speak yet. Maybe he, hasn't, maybe he doesn't like the structure that's out there. Maybe he would like a player-driven show that he could come on and talk about his Onada Deta. There was also a little update for my guy, Bob Nightingale. How does Bob have all the information? But then he's wrong a lot, so it's like kind of weird. It's just spelling errors. It's not that he's super wrong. Well, he's, he does get some stuff wrong. <laughs> Everybody gets some <laughs> he stuff wrong. He makes some mistakes. He gets a lot. The Mets are focused on Yamamoto because they believe they have no realistic chance to land Shohei Otani. It's, if you offer him a billion dollars, I bet they sign him. Yeah, you're right. I thought Anybody that offers a billion dollars, you probably get him. No. Does he go to the Rockies? For a billion? Maybe Chris Bryant did. For a billion? Probably. Chris yeah. Bryant did. Not for a billion, but yeah. Does he go to the A's for a billion? Maybe. I would. I'd even go to Oakland for a billion dollars. Yeah. What? Could potentially buy the team for a billion dollars. AJ's number AJ's number's way below a billion. Correct. Yeah. cents. Way below. Way to go below. to Oakland. That I makes can sense. Even get so, rid of the possums and rats and everything for a billion dollars. That makes sense, though. Yamamoto being looked at by um, everyone. Thing, <laughs> Isn't there a thing though that like the Japanese guys don't like to go to teams that have a Japanese guy? Like Senga's already there. For some, it is. For some, it's not. I've I've read about that in the past. Yeah, people have talked. It's weird though because you would think you'd want to go to a place that has another Japanese guy, especially Senga, who's a shorter right-handed pitcher. You guys could talk about some stuff. We right? talk anyway, though. But yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, one again, we're bringing in Chris. You know, right here, Red Sox are a team that has been mentioned a lot in the Shohei world. I don't know if he'd go there, but he's the Red Sox have been mentioned by people. As a Red Sox sleeper. are they're a Japanese team. Naga, not going to be a place Shohei's going. A dad joke. I don't get it. You never seen the movie The Office? The Office space. The- I mean. Not oh, the office. office space? Office yeah. space. Yeah. Uh-huh. Naga, not going to work here anymore. Mm. Mm. Okay. There's better, there, li- there's there better, better lines. There's better lines office space there are better than lines. that. That's one yeah. of my favorites. We're going to need you to not use that joke anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also, awards given out in the last few days for the Platinum Glove winner. We have a National League winner in Fernando Tatis Jr. and an American League winner in Andre Semenes. Both impressive. I will say this for Tatis. I mean, he did move positions. And then he, did. he was exceptional out there. He's also ultra-athletic. He is. I mean, he. this is probably where he should have been playing from the get-go. I mean, they tried him at shortstop. That experiment didn't go great. But in the outfield, I mean, he's he was electric out there. Throws, the way he catches he made, jumping over walls. He's tall. Tall. He's, he's tall. He is. He's tall. <laughs> but he moves. Yeah, sneaky tall, right? Really big dude. And our guy, Andres Jimenez, congratulations. Platinum glove winner in the American League. What a year for him. Think about it. I mean, got paid, paid, mm-hmm. and racks up awards. So good for him. Let's lap. Can I throw one thing out there before we run through actually quite a few things here in slap hands today? So stick around. This isn't a 30-second slap hands. 
DeMarlo Hale was just hired by the Blue Jays as their associate manager under manager John Schneider. Oh my God. Well, I've known DeMarlo for 30 years. Love yeah, he's DeMarlo. great. Love DeMarlo. I, and he was with Gibbons in Toronto I, I actually back in thought, the day. Yeah, I actually thought he would be the guy to re- – that's who Tito wanted to replace him. Okay. His manager. If, if, if Tito had any say, he would have told the Guardians to hire DeMarlo. Great, great guy. Great guy. Knows baseball. Been around it forever. My guy. What's DeMarlo, associate one day manager? Get a job. Uh-uh. What's associate manager? It's like a – Is it like offensive coordinator? No, they that's have Don that. Mattingly. Okay. I wonder who the defensive coordinator. They're gonna. It's like football. They have a special teams coach, uh-huh. offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, and associate head coach. That's new, Kratz. Are they trying to change the game? No idea what's going on. I'm not sure what the actual logo is, but I feel bad for D because I think D should be a manager. I don't know him as long as you know him, AJ, but he is awesome. And he just hasn't been always a bridesmaid, never the bride, but... Now he's got to carry the moniker of an ass manager. That's what it's going to, you know, that's what it's going <laughs> to break down to. That's not, that is, you got to change the name, D. Like, you got to ask man. him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't like associate manager. It's, also, it's very long. There, there couldn't have been something what else. Does. What's, what does he do? Like, what, he's not the bench coach. Who's the bench coach? It was, it was Mattingly, wasn't it? Yeah. And now Best he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah. He's the offensive coordinator, unless he gets one of the Maybe they jobs. just didn't want to make him name DeMarlo the bench coach, so they made up. It's it's Canada, though. Everything's a little bit off up there in Canada. The catch and <laughs> taste a little different. I don't know. They changed the R in front of the E. Yeah, the, that kind you of know, stuff. you watch Sports Century, and it's offense yeah. with a C. Like, it's a little bit different up there. Color with Is a it? U. <laughs> There's a manager, a general manager, and now an associate manager. And if you don't have one, you're not cool. Um. A little AFL action. So we had two of our buddies on the other day. Yeah! Look, now Benny we knows who you. I am now. Hickey and Troy. So they sent this to us. Yeah. Bet they know they who I am Red Sox now. prospects. They're not. So I was like, where are you guys? And that's they were in like, Glendale. we're in Glendale. Yeah. Because that's, that's where they're playing. Look. Here, see the picture? Look, that's the bobblehead. Can we see, the, can we see this? I don't know if we can split it somehow. But see the, Oh, wait. You can take over my camera. See the bobblehead? That's the this is the shot and the they gave this bobblehead that's the shot right there. See? Look at that hair. That hair was flowing crouch. You don't know nothing about that. Two jabroni two jabronis on their fraternity tour just just enjoying (laughs) seeing seeing another jabroni. Oh god. Look at them. They like both flexed for the picture. They both had like the suitcases in their hands. The that's arms the out. Blow. So again, Kratz just gets jealous when people have hair. It's really, it's really, it's a really sad, sad topic in my life. I really have confidence issues about my hair, but I called Brian Erlacher and I'm going to get something done about it. And yeah. Ian Happ. Ian you need those Happ. guys in the game though. Kipnis. Who? Troy and Hickey. Yeah. Hickey, if you're watching, I'm I'm be at Florida State. You can come to my tailgate. I won't big league you, maybe. Yeah, right. Depends on what time he gets there. <laughs> that's true. It's a seven o'clock game, so we'll, yeah, you know, that's a long about day. Four o'clock. Yeah, he could, yeah. Florida I Heat. I remember him. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the drugs at Scott last him. night. Wish I knew him. <laughs> uh, that's why we're ending early. I'm struggling. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. I'm good. No, he's I'm good. not. I'm good. Leave me alone. Uh, Fair territory with Ken Rosenthal is up right now, so I want everyone to kind of focus on that. Okay. Um, podcast. It's been up there for a few hours. And then the YouTube show 
up there every Monday for you, all off season long too. And as you can see, lots of good topics, the Espada hiring, council move, inside dish on the council move and how Ken was part of breaking that story. It was pretty cool. Pete Alonzo, will I stay or will I go? Um, Benetti, lots of other topics. Kratats, what do you got? I mean, we, we really matched today. I was wearing my Reading Fighting Phils hat. Pretty sweet. It's like a gimmick on the uh, the ostrich that he runs around in as the mascot and throws the hot dogs out. But we really matched today. We had a lot of Navy, and then Catello came on, and AJ and him were matching with mm. their maroonness. It was awesome. You're right. And a lot to of- me, that... That logo is kind of like a surprise punch in the face. Like you don't expect it to have a fist. One of the worst. One of the worst locker rooms I was ever part of. Oh my goodness! Reading so Philly. so small. Lockers are so narrow. You can't put your shoes like this. You have to stack them on top of each other. <laughs> Awful. The only thing good about it was they had a Coke machine, like the the fountain Coke machine in the locker room. That was For the only free? good thing about the Phillies. For Fighting free. Phillies. Reading. Yeah. For free. Yeah. Yeah. That probably was. Not the best move, though. Do you think that still exists? Think they want guys chugging in the visiting cokes? visiting locker room? Oh, in the visiting, yeah, in the visiting. Oh, oh, good point. He was awesome. in the visiting locker room. The lockers were this wide, and yep. you couldn't put your shoes next to it. You had to stack your shoes up on top of each other because it was too. That's bad. That's awful. That's bad. I'm bad. sure they've done it. I mean, this was 1998, so just recently to give you that it was that small six years ago. Oh. They just recently did the renovations in this whole like new. They didn't need to. That place draws. Shoot, they make they make money like NBA players. Like <laughs> Reading, they are they they draw. They they put on a good show. They do. And the other good thing about playing there as a visitor, the ball flies out of there. Everybody hits a homer. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, Crouch. Just in case you're wondering what Scott dressed up as last night, here's the picture to prove it. What do you look like? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, he wore the cow. I milked his udders. Little face swap. <laughs> what? It's one of my finest photos <laughs> last night with our buddy. He also got fake tattoos on his right hand. In case you're I was going to say, his right hand's looking a little swollen like those udders. <laughs> yeah, I was struggling last night. And uh, I hooked my guy up. See, that's what that's what AJ had on, though. Maybe a few less. Look at all the bracelets. Oh, man. You get so many wristbands at those carnivals. <laughs> huh. listen, carnivals. I, it's a festivity. Festival. Listen, it was awesome. I got to admit, it was, it was, I was talking about it this morning, and my wife was like, Are you, what the fuck? And I'm like, It was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It was Everyone's awesome. got to experience it. Just yeah. because just, you can walk around there, crowds. We walked, I don't know, we walked like 20,000 steps. Yep. We were there for like four hours. And you could just, you're just watching people go by in their outfits. Oh, it's unbelievable. Sensory overload. It is unbelievable. I love watching people. This is the best people watching you'll ever oh. experience in your life. Ken Rosenthal is on with us tomorrow, following up his fair territory performance today. And Pasquatch. Speaking of people watching, Vinny Pasquantino is joining us. I've been wanting to talk to him all season long. He'll be with us tomorrow on FTC then. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. 
Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLING.